0: Have you ever heard Alexei Toliopoulos sing?
1: No.
2: Australians are good, <laughs> <bossy, yeah>. Australians <laughs> are let us reach us. <laughs> A bright, light city gonna be Australia. <laughs>
0: Hello, I'm Susie Youssef.
2: and I'm Alexi Toliopoulos.
0: Welcome to the Big Film Buffet, the film podcast
2: for non-film nerds,
0: but the kind of podcast that's going to make you sound way smarter when you talk about films, whether you've seen them or not.
2: And I love movies. <laughs>
0: Each episode, we'll be sharing with you a three-course feast of films inspired by the Netflix premiere Flick of the Week.
2: We start with the baseline, a classic cinematic starter.
0: Then we crescendo with our main course, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom,
2: and our coda, a dessert of recommendations. We're feasting on a meal for our ears today because we're looking at three films about musicians. These are three great and rather different films about performing and recording music.
0: A little bit later on the podcast, we're going to be joined by a very special dinner guest, Jen Fricker.
2: One of my favourite music experts in my list of actual friends in real life.
0: (laughs) Jen is a comedian, an actor, a writer, a podcaster, a radio presenter. Mm -hmm. She's so many things, but she's also a trained musician. Because our main meal today is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom.
2: And it's based on a play by August Wilson about the legendary real-life blues singer Ma Rainey. And one of the legendary stars that brought this role to life on the stage is also the star of our starter for
0: today. The one the only Whoopi Goldberg. While you are here, you will conduct yourself as a nun. Only I will know who and what you truly are. You will draw no attention to yourself whatsoever. But look at me! I'm a nun! I'm a penguin! I'm
2: in the film, Sister Act, Whoopi Goldberg stars as lounge singer Dolores Van Cartier who escapes her gangster boyfriend and is placed in the Witness Protection Program with the most unlikely of company, a convent of nuns. And let me tell you this, from there hilarity
0: ensues. (laughs) If you were a child of the 90s, then Whoopi Goldberg and this film and this soundtrack would have shaped your life in some way or another.
2: I love Whoopi Goldberg. I love everything about her. I love her freaking name.
0: Yes, you love her name but do you know her real name?
2: Whoopi Goldberg's not her birth name?
0: It is not... (laughs) Sadly, it is not her birth name. Her birth name is Karen Elaine Johnson. Oh, wow. She took on the name Whoopi Goldberg because apparently, you know, she was a theatre actor. Mm -hmm. She did a lot of of that kind of side stage.
2: That one-woman show stuff.
0: Yes, yes, yes. So she says in an interview that she... Never had time to, like, go to the bathroom and close the door, so she would just slowly release gas. Oh, wow. Side of stage.
2: That's what I do while I'm podcasting.
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then she got this nickname, Whoopi, straight from a Whoopi cushion.
2: Oh, no way. Yeah. And she decided to adopt it.
0: Yeah, she was like, I'm going to embrace it the way all good comedians do.
2: Wow. I shall now be known as Toots Tolleyopolis. <laughs> It's one of the great magnetic comedy all-star performances. This is really the epitome of the fish out of water comedy.
0: It totally is. It's like a, it's a clash of worlds and it creates this perfect mixing pot of tension and humor. When I rewatch this It reminded me that this is not just an excellent comedy, which it is, but the stakes are so high. It's a crime film. They literally are life or death stakes. It's life or death. It's crazy. And that post
2: of Whoopi Goldberg dressed up as a nun with that cheeky grin and those coy eyes peering over sunglasses with those candy apple red high heels just peeping out underneath her nun robes? I don't even know what they're called. (laughs) her habit? Oh, yeah, because then she'll come back in the habit one day when she goes (laughs) back to the sequel. It's just that perfect, like, classic comedy post that shows all the comedic juxtaposition this movie is all about.
0: It's kind of the story of a rebel who eventually kind of has a cause. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very cheeky. It's very irreverent. I think as a Catholic schoolgirl, it spoke to the repressed, like, passionate woman within me. And Dolores Fancartier is this wild, sexy woman who ultimately really wants to do good. But I think the thing that excited me most about this is that she's this amazing black woman who just shakes shit up in a big white nunnery. It's the
2: ultimate Whoopi Goldberg It utilises all her skills of being the all-around entertainer. She's funny. She sings. She kind of dances. She sidesteps at best. (laughs) And I think her greatest skill of all as a performer is Whoopi Goldberg is one of the great listeners. She kind of closes in on other people's performances and you see her really listen uh, to all. What other actors are doing. She really captures this exhausted authenticity of being that day in, day out underappreciated performer. Totally agree. We both have this Kathy Najimy obsession. Please, I want to hear you talk about Kathy.
0: I love Kathy so much. Not only is she absolutely hilarious, especially in Sister Act, but she's joyful Mm. and for comedy performers, I don't think that that is a very common combination. I think it's very rare. (laughs) And it's something that
2: we've definitely stolen from her, you and I. (laughs) It's not just Kathy Najimy. me here. It's not
0: just Kathy. This is a powerhouse female ensemble. This is the perfect dry humour of Maggie Smith, Ooh, who I love so, good. so much.
2: This is the beginning of McGonagall, I would say.
0: Yeah, I would say it is as well. This is like her as Mother Superior, so stern, but just that really subtle, like if you get even the tiniest <gasps> smile from Maggie Smith, you can die.
2: You ascend to heaven. It's, it's the up. final thing. <laughs> i got to ask you this. What do you think about the sequel, Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit?
0: What do you mean, what do I think about it? Do I think about it every day? Yes, I do.
2: I think it's one of the most underrated movies. What are you
0: talking about? It's
2: sitting at an extreme negative mark on Rotten Tomatoes. No,
0: this is one of the greatest films of all time. <laughs> well,
2: I think it's really good. I think it's maybe better than the original. I don't know why it got so much flack in its time.
0: This is Lauren Hill.
2: It's Lauren Hill. We're talking about the Fugees. She's in it. It's kind of School of Rock with Whoopi Goldberg and Lauren Hill if it was actually about something.
0: Do you think it's actually underrated?
2: Yes, I do. They are in the midst of making a third film. Sister Act 3, We're Back in the Habit Again, is what I'm guessing it's going to be called.
0: Well, if you follow the logic of Mm. the first two. So the first one, she's a lounge singer who goes into a convent (laughs) and she teaches an adult choir to sing better. And then she goes back and teaches a high school choir to sing better. So surely this is...
2: i got to pause here for a moment because we're about to get the exclusive Suzy Yusuf pitch for what she thinks the third Sister Act movie should be.
0: Well, it's gotta this be, is
2: a big moment.
0: It's got to be something about the crèche. Like, surely she's teaching, like, four-year-olds <laughs> how to
2: sing. She goes all the way back. I think it should be Doubt, but replace Meryl Streep with Whoopi Goldberg. Oh. And it's just high-stakes drama. That sounds amazing. Even if they just release a feature-length deep fake of that, I'll buy the Blu-ray tomorrow.
0: I mean, you would buy the Blu-ray of pretty much anything. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's true.
0: I have to say that my favourite sister act fact is that the police officer, mm-hmm. who is a beautiful actor... Who puts Dolores (laughs) with his protection in the convent is played by the actor Bill Nunn.
2: Okay, th- okay, I'm spinning out here. <laughs> His name is that Bill Nunn. and he's in a movie about nuns.
0: Bill Nunn is brilliant.
2: He is brilliant. Let me bow down to Bill Nunn. He's a great character actor from this era. He is in Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. One of your playing Radio Raheem. It is a completely different character. It's hard to believe that they're the same actor. When I'm watching it, I'm like, these can't be the same guy. But it is Bill Nunn. <laughs> it is Bill Nunn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but before we go down, a Bill Nunn hole, Because
2: I'm spitting out, absolutely. you totally
0: spitting out of control. It is now time for our premiere flick of the week, My Rainey's Black Bottom. Cutler, this here, my nephew Sylvester, he's going to do the voice intro on that Black Bottom song using the old version. What you talking about? Mr Irvin said we're using Lebby, my I'm version. I'm starting you and Mr Irvin. Cutler, get him straightened out and how to do his part. I ain't thinking about Levy. These folks done mess with the wrong person this day. Tensions
2: rise when the trailblazing mother of the blues, Gertrude Ma Rainey, and her band gather at a Chicago recording studio in 1927. And it's adapted from the August Wilson play.
0: This cast is next level. Mm-hmm. Viola Davis, Chadwick Boseman, Glenn Terman, Coleman Domingo, oh. Michael Potts, Taylor Page, Dusan Brown, and Johnny Coyne. They are... All outstanding. We're not going to speak about everyone today, but holy moly, they are good.
2: But before that, Susie, I want to know what your initial thoughts about the movie were.
0: (laughs) I didn't know when I started watching this that it was based on a play, but I kind of had a feeling from the setting. You know, it's in this old Illinois recording Mm. studio, which is such a great setting for this story. Gorgeous as well. And even though it's only one location, it kind of feels like a whole world as well as an underworld and like a landscape of memories all within this one building.
2: Yeah, I think that feeling of this being a play adaptation, August Wilson really... makes full use of the limitations of the theatrical experience, but really making it feel contained to a few spaces in one location, I think George C. Wolfe honours that feeling while completely building it out and making it
0: more cinematic. Yeah, definitely. And at the head of that is Viola Davis.
2: I was going to say I cannot believe how freaking great Viola Davis is in this movie, but to be honest, I can because I think she's one of the greatest actors working today It's honestly like breathtaking watching her mumble her way through the lines in this in a way that feels very off the cuff, very naturalistic and feels fully intentional and studied. And what it does most, it really makes you, the audience and the other actors kind of stop everything and lean in and listen to her. Mm. She embodies this huge character, this out of this world, real life person in a way that feels so intimate that I don't even see Viola Davis in the role. I just see Ma Rainey.
0: I totally agree. She's out of this world in this film. And I fell in love with her. I think probably watching the heist film Widows. Oh you my word. So many different elements to yeah. this actor who is absolutely brilliant. But now I'm gonna say it. Ma Rainey's is my favorite of all of her roles. And I think that this has Oscars written all over it. And I know that's really annoying to say sometimes Mm -hmm. because it is distracting, but this is... This is it. This This is is
2: such a great performance. You know, it's so exciting to see an actor like Chadwick Boseman basically equal her in this movie. We need to talk about this performance by him.
0: So beautiful. At first, I didn't know if I loved or hated the character of Mm. Levy. I was a bit unsure, but I knew that I loved his performance from the moment he hits the screen. And it's really subtle, so it's not one of those, like, hero moments where he hits the screen and you're like, oh, it's about this person. He very subtly kind of is performing on stage when we meet him for the first time. He's got that cheeky smile. It's absolutely beautiful. At one point, he delivers a particular story. It's one of his monologues in in the film. Mm. And you can just see his face twitching and his sweating and his eyes are watering and I just had goosebumps
2: I think he was this incredible actor and this movie star of the future and it's a tremendous loss for like the artistic culture of the world that Chadwick Boseman has passed away and going through all his performances over the last few years I think he so powerfully channels the emotion of anger yes In stuff like Black Panther, it's this anger that has to be calmed down and walled off. In the revenge thriller, message from the king, it builds and it breaks. In Spike Lee's The Five Bloods, it's searing and it's powerful. I think he, he utilizes it in this way that it gives him this career best performance in a career full of only stellar work. It builds in this ode entitlement backed up by natural musical talent. And then it breaks in this really tragic way. I can't even like begin to just put into words like how special and what a loss it is. He's in- just incredible in this film.
0: Yep, yeah, I couldn't agree with you, more.
1: Y'all back up and
2: leave Levy alone. Oh, come on, Levy. <laughs> we was all just having fun. Toledo ain't said nothing about you. He ain't said about me. You're just taking it all wrong. You <laughs> ain't <laughs> meant nothing bad, Levy. Levy got to be Levy.
1: And he don't need nobody messing with him about the white. <laughs> she don't know nothing
0: about me. You don't know Livy. You
1: don't know nothing about what kind of blood I got, what kind of heart I got B
0: I felt like I couldn't catch my breath in this movie. I felt really kind of choked up in that way that you do when you're in a family Mm. situation, like you're at a family dinner and someone maybe starts a fight or it's gone from, like, passive-aggressive to actual-aggressive and you just feel like you're in the middle of something the whole time.
2: Yeah, I think it really is due to the use of close-ups in this film. It kind of, like, creates, like, this ratcheting tension because the camera pushes into this close-up and it works so beautifully in capturing these performances especially Bozeman who is such like a precise facial actor. He has these quivering eyes that you were talking about that hold back so much when he's already belting out an incredible amount and it creates not only this sense of like escalating tension but also this really unique feeling of the space that we're in.
0: Our dinner guest today is a comedian, a musician, a writer, an actor, a radio presenter. She also, on occasion, rocks a fringe. I'm very jealous of her fringe. She wanted us to introduce her as the sickest bitch alive.
2: And I would have to agree. I have to agree here. We
0: should. We absolutely should because she is. Please welcome the wonderful Jen Fricker. (laughs) Oh, my
1: God. Thank you for noticing my fringe work. Um, It is really part of my career that I feel like doesn't get enough
0: praise, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's literally the only thing I ever
1: praise you for. I just love that <laughs> prince so much. I praise I know, everything screen- about you. I praise you Ozzy. Wow, okay,
2: okay, wow Wow, wow, wow My head's inflating, I'm inflating my ego Thank you so much It's so good to get a minor compliment and then accept it too far Wow, my god, thank
1: you <laughs> Oh my god, I'm tearing up um, I'm so excited to chat to you two You're just <gasps> two rays of sunshine in my life And then to have you, to catch two rays
2: Wow in one and room. That is a rare thing. It's and rare. Now
1: it's we've special. collected
2: three, including one of the sickest bitches alive, Jen freak <laughs> up. <laughs> I'm so glad that you're here on the podcast with us today because when we decide to record an episode about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, you came to mind instantly. We know that you have a history in recording jazz music, being in a jazz band. Oh,
0: yeah. It was no accident that we had a little Jen Freaker in this podcast today.
1: At first, when I saw that you'd given me this film, I was like, oh, why can't I get, like, the princess switch? Why can't I do something fun? But, um, no, I, like, I love... There's, like, some parts of this film that really uh, speak to me. Obviously, like, yeah, basically so much of this film is just musicians shit-talking instead Mm. of rehearsing.
0: Yes. And
1: that's honestly one of the... It really spoke to me. The truth of that really spoke to me. I remember playing in a jazz band, and uh, I was terrible. I played double bass, and, yeah, we're just trying to stay out of shit, you know what I mean? Trumpet... (laughs) piano,
0: singer, all all messy and you're just trying to keep your head down and hold it together. How old were you when you were playing the double bass? Because I can imagine that's a big instrument to carry as a young person.
1: Yeah. I started when I was 13 or 14. It was honestly my parents got me and my brother playing it because... Um, it was an easy way to get scholarships into music
2: school. (laughs) Wow. Did
1: they just hate money? They were like, what's the most expensive instrument we can find? Yeah, pretty much. And, like, they, I guess, really loved driving gigantic cars, like (laughs) station (laughs) wagons everywhere. But yeah, I just remember my bass teacher's studio, like where I'd go and do my music lessons, was at the top of a huge driveway. So I'd have to pull, like lug my double bass up to the very top of this thing. And then he'd always have a spare bass at the top of, like, in the studio. So I'm like, well, why can't I just use your bass? And he's like, oh, no, it's too expensive, like not for (gasps) students. I miss my upper body strength.
2: <laughs> I actually have the same figure as a double bass, I've been told.
1: Hey, that's a beautiful figure. Yeah. The yeah. art of Musical man ray is just all, yeah. <laughs>
2: There's a gorgeous curvy bod and a tiny little head on a very thin neck.
1: And a deep resonance,
0: you know? <laughs> so, freak have you spent a lot of time in a recording studio?
1: Yeah, a bit, honestly. Again, and I could smell this movie. Like mm. um, the bit where they shut up all the windows and they put the acoustic baffling across it and they pull all the dark curtains and everyone's just sweating. I was like, oh, I know what that smells like. And yes. I know what it feels like to be in a room of five other people and everyone's yes. stressed. And- producers are just like fiddling with wires and shit or you do like a finally you do a good take and then something's fucked up that you couldn't even hear it took me back and even just like um everyone else showing up on time and then one person not and then Mm. just being like can i ask you as well jen did you were you singing from a young age as well yeah i was in like choirs and stuff growing up And my parents really wanted me to be, like, an old-timey, like, showbiz. Like, I did um, jazz and tap and, like, musical theatre singing (laughs) and, like, acting. Like, they wanted me to be, like, a full, like, triple threat. So there's all these, like, real dance school costume photos where I've got, like, the huge hair and, like, (laughs) I look like a 40-year-old woman but on, like, a 10-year-old's body. And, like, this movie really kind of spoke to me because it really did just um, remind me of all those feelings of, like, you have to be the best, like, and you have to be the best every time. Mm, And it means you can be a dick to people if you are the best, but there is nothing else but being the best. Like, you can't just be middling. And uh, now as a stand-up, I'm like, all there is is middling. (laughs) (laughs)
2: It's (laughs) a
1: safest option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just be – just show up. It's fine. (laughs) Like, it'll work out. (laughs) And if it doesn't, it'll be all right.
0: (laughs) Have you ever heard Alexi Toliopoulos sing – no.
2: I'm, like, terrified of it.
0: <laughs> Why?
2: I think I have, like, this traumatic experience from when I was a kid. It was, like, the final assembly of, like, when I was, like, six years old in kindergarten. And uh, we had to, like, sing a song. I think it was a national anthem. So, I got all the kindergartners together to sing, like, the national anthem in a choir. And when I was a kid, I was obsessed with Elvis Presley. Like that I loved Elvis Presley when I was like, of <laughs> like kindergarten. You
0: were. Oh my god. Yeah. I,
2: I just loved him. And to me, like Elvis was synonymous with singing. Like to sing was to be Elvis in my head. Mm. So when mm. they like put me in the choir is like, okay, we gotta sing this song, in my head I'm like, oh I'm just gonna do an Elvis impression because that's what singing is. And so like we're doing the National Anthem and I'm singing it like Elvis. <laughs> and then they came they were like the music teacher counts to me was like, you're really good. You're amazing. <laughs> You're going to be up the front. We're going to bring you to the front. <laughs> We're going to give you a solo as well. So I just, like, got freaked out. I got in my head. of like, the pressure was on me.
0: Who gives a six-year-old a national anthem solo?
2: <laughs> know, the like, here? a little Elvis. Sing a little Elvis solo as, like, the national anthem. And I just, like, freaked out. And I just became so shy and embarrassed. I just stopped singing. And I just started mouthing the words along. And they just <gasps> pushed me back to the very back of the room again and I've never sung again in my life.
0: Really? I have this feeling like you would have a beautiful voice. Me too. Again, your
1: natural resonance makes me feel like you'd have a lot of power. (sighs) That Elvis um, (laughs) training.
2: (laughs) Wow, okay, I'll try. Yeah. Australians are good, bussy, yeah. <laughs> Australians are let us reach That's beautiful. Oh, Brad, lot city gonna be Australian. I don't know. I actually just realised I don't know the lyrics of the National Anthem anymore. I don't think so. you know wow. any Elvis lyrics either. I don't know any song except for the Golden Girls theme song. That's it. That's the only one I know.
1: Do you ever think about stuff that happened in your childhood and you're like, thank God there was no... <laughs> Instagram or (laughs) Twitter or smartphones, you're just like, thank God. I don't have to relive through that. Mm. I choose to relive through it in my memories, and that's it.
2: One of the things I liked about Marini's Black Bottom that you're talking about is like that aspect of like there's this procedural element to how a record is made. Like yes. when you see like all the technology come together, like that weight coming down so that the the little needle will start etching into the blank uh, waxness of the vinyl. Yeah. I think there's something so exciting about seeing how that comes to life. It's almost like those newspaper movies where you see like the printing press starting to work. Yes. That I just thought was so exciting and so brilliant. It just like added attention to everything like that this needs to work because it's physical it's analog they need to get these tapes to record
0: yeah it feels expensive as well it feels like every second that they waste is like costing the whole world money like (laughs) yes yeah it's alive like it's really like a
1: living thing that all parts of like the organism whether it be like the band the studio whatever all have to be completely in tune and i guess like you have to talk about the African-American history of it, like mm. how that culture was just like completely co-opted by white people and like sanitised. Like, I, I mean, that's movie, so much what the movie is about.
2: Yeah, I think what the movie like really nails it is like the final few seconds of this film is we do see this very sanitised, boring, white person, huge band just doing a poorer version of the same song. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think it's just like, it's like a magnificent invention for the film.
1: Yeah, completely. Like, the sound design is so good in this movie, like, as well. Like, mm. the way it's all cut together is so rhythmic and, again, like, alive and electric. And there's the way all of the group scenes in the rehearsal room, everyone's jumping in over each other and stuff, is a form of, like, cacophony, but also jazz. And yes. that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, totally. I don't know. I, mean. I know it's, like, very obvious and also kind of theatery. I guess it is a very theatrical film because it's based on a play. And you can kind of see some of those
0: tricks there where you're like – he's talking like this because he's the future of jazz. Yeah. um, (laughs) But we were talking about that as well, is that there's so many moments in this film where the music either, like, is scoring the film or it's taken out deliberately and then you feel even more tense, Mm. which is kind of great because people, so many directors use music to build tension and then in this film, whenever they take it out, you're like, I feel like I'm hanging over, like, a cliff's edge.
1: Yes, absolutely. It's such a good film to watch with, like, really good speakers or really good headphones.
0: Who should
2: watch this movie?
1: It is a movie for everyone. It really is. If anything, don't listen to the Oscar buzz of it all. That generally puts me off movies when people are like, oh, someone's in a running for the Oscar for this. It's like, ah, don't watch it for that. Watch it because it's like just very good and yeah. the acting is very good and the music is great and and you, really, you don't really have to have a knowledge of music or jazz or history or anything to enjoy it. You can just watch it and get into it and be like it's such a um immersive Mm. film for something that only really has like three locations again theater
0: yes i I have to say i (laughs) totally agree with you and at the same time i'm definitely adding to the oscar buzz because i love it so much
2: Follow The Big Film Buffet on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe on those podcatchers so you get this episode in your feed every single dang Tuesday as soon as it frickin' drops. And send us a comment or a telegram, rate us, review us, tell your friends about this podcast, tell your grandmother, tell your yaya, inform your nonna about us, and send us your love. And we'll be right back with a new ep every single Tuesday.
0: Jen, can I ask you which film you have watched the most in your life? Like, which film do you go back to and watch over and over again? Freaky Friday,
1: the Lindsay Lohan yes. version. Yes. I had that on DVD and so I watch all the time. But also it came out when I was also a teenager who wanted to play guitar. So I was like, yeah, this is cool. And, like, the song that her band plays is by, like, an Australian band called Lash. And so I was like, wow, that's cool. An Australian band in an American <laughs> movie? Wow. Which movie do you cry at? Like, what? which which one gets you good? One movie I absolutely bawled my eyes out in was Toy Story 4.
2: Michael Cicchino as well. Yep. Same guy. Well,
1: yeah, and, like, I just remember I went and saw it with my housemate and my housemate's niece and nephew. Mm. And so they did not understand why I was crying at all. Wow. And, like, her niece was just, like, looking at me. And I'm just, like, at the end of that movie just bawling my eyes out. And she's like, why are you crying? And I'm like, oh, you won't understand. But basically, my childhood's over and everything moves on, and that's okay. And like, we'll get that that time
0: back. And like, don't worry
1: about it, you know, (laughs) just
0: enjoy the movie. It's time for a segment that we call film or movie because (laughs) every week we get a title of a motion picture Mm -hmm. and we have to decide whether it is a film which is, you know, artistic and piece of cinema history as opposed to a movie which is like a blockbuster, candy, popcorn, we love movie.
2: Both are great. Both are great. But they are different forms of cinema.
0: And this week we are going to put Alexi Toliopoulos up against our very special dinner guest, Jen Fricker, Mm -hmm. and ask them... Is this a film or movie? The title is School of Rock.
1: Oh. Wow, wow, wow. Jen. I mean, I feel like it's pretty cut and dry, frankly. (gasps) I think I really struggle to call any movie that Jack Black is in (laughs) film. And I like Jack Black. I'm not saying he has no place in the cinema canon. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. Is it film? No, but like <gasps> I feel like it's a stretch to say it's a film and uh but it's not a stretch. It just it sits comfortably in the movie category. Okay.
2: Au contraire, au contraire. <laughs> Jen no. Fricker, I cannot believe the words coming out of your gosh dang mouth. I think this is Cinema, I think this is film. I think that this is artistic expression from one of the great authors of cinema history, Mr. Richard Linklater, or Dickie Links, as I like to call him. (laughs) I think that this is a fabulous film that is all about the joy of music. It is about finding inspiration in the most unlikely of places. The schlubby guy who is not qualified to teach. It is about a rule breaker. It is about someone who dares to destroy the very basic confines of our world, which is the private schooling industry, and inspire young kids to become uh, not just a cellist, but cello you got a bassist.
1: How dare you? That is the most offensive part of the movie. Wow. Cellos and bass are not the same They're not the same. They're not the same instrument. And I'm very triggered as a bass player. Decades, decades of this joke, (laughs) decades of people coming up to me on the street and being like, cello, you got a bass. They're different because there's five notes between Mm -hmm. strings on a cello. It's in a different register and it's from a different family. Okay. Okay. It's just not the same.
2: Well, Jen, I must say you have fallen into my plan. I have played you like a Stradivarius, which is a very beautifully made violin from what I understand. (laughs) I have played you like one of those, as if it were painted with blood, like the red violin itself, because you have exhibited (laughs) an extreme amount of emotion, an emotional reaction that can only be elicited by film. And I would also put this to you. A yeah. young gen Fricker seeing this movie, seeing Jack Black inspire these children, a film would definitely seep <laughs> through the celluloid and the projection upon that movie screen and seep into a young gen Fricker. May I ask you this? Did this film not inspire you? Does this film not touch you?
1: I mean, it does. I will say that um, once I saw it, I saw it with my dad. Mm-hmm. And then we went and bought a guitar together, oh. and then I started learning to play guitar. And I bought the soundtrack, and then I got into Led Zeppelin because wow. "Immigrant Song" is in it, and it is so good. And I do really love it. And you got me, Lexi. Let me say it here first: Jack Black <laughs> changed my life. Wow! Wow! Get spicy with it, Susie. Tell us. Tell us your
0: truth. My truth is that Richard Linklater is a, a film. Director. He's not a movie maker. He's a filmmaker. He's a filmmaker. Boyhood, before midnight, before sunset, before sunrise, all of them. They're all his. (laughs) But also Dazed and Confused is also his. Yes, and that's a
2: film. I would actually go to bat. That's a film too.
0: That is a fight for another day. No, let me go right now while I'm in the mood. (laughs) (laughs) Unleash! School of Rock is officially conducted into the Hall of Film. Wow. I never
1: thought I'd
2: say that. So we're coming towards the end of the year, and that means our Spotify raps are coming together. Jenny, one of my favourite music minds, what were your most listened to tracks? What was your Spotify rap looking like this year?
1: Oh, man, it was mostly all just, like, the big pop releases from this year, which is very funny, like, coming off five <laughs> years of Triple J to just be like, a Leaper and Lady Gaga. <laughs> but I think, like, that's what I needed. I just needed, like, something kind of light and uh, bubbly To get me through this year Mm. So I think I just really Lent into that I don't (laughs) like listening To sad music anymore I don't want to feel anything I just want to dance I (laughs) don't know
2: Well Alexi Mine was the opposite I think My number one this year Literally was Miles Davis uh, oh, wow. just beating out Kylie Minogue, Grace Jones and the soundtrack to Little Shop of Horrors. So I think I was all over the place. <laughs> but I think it was because like Miles Davis really has got the music to suit pretty much any mood that I'm hoping for. From more summer jazz, like kind of blue or to like interesting covers of, like Cyndi Lauper, like time after time. I feel like Miles Davis has everything. And that's why for our dessert on today's menu, we are talking about Miles Davis, Birth of Cool, the biographical documentary about Miles Davis. If anybody wants to keep creating, they have to be about change. I quite like this Miles Davis documentary. It's an illuminating biography about the great jazz legend that is Miles Davis. And it's insidable about the, some of the greatest music ever recorded, but... It's still very honest about his shortcomings and, like, deep personal problems as well.
0: Yeah, it goes through his family history, his relationship history, all of his influences. You know, he's travelled extensively. He struggles with addiction and racism. He basically is the blues. But the thing that really blows me away is that all of these geniuses through history, and Miles Davis is no exception, they encounter each other along yeah. the way. So he's like, to see him playing with, like, Bird and Dizzy Gillespie and then meeting people like Picasso <laughs> and Jean-Paul Sartre, like... That absolutely boggles my mind that all of these people lived in the same time period.
1: You can be Picasso's mate and still get done for smoking a cigarette out on the street. Like, that's wild to me.
2: I think that it gets close to capturing, like, the danger of Miles Davis while still being very informative. (laughs) But it's mainly just, like, it feels like an educational, insightful Sunday afternoon watch. And I think that people should know about Miles, people should know about the music, and it's a great introduction
1: for
0: people. Yeah, it definitely made Mm. me put on his music and listen to it for the rest of the week. It reminded me how much I love Miles Davis.
1: I was watching it with a friend who's not a jazz fan at all and by the end of it he was like getting into it and yeah. asking questions oh, yes. and stuff. There's yeah. so Nothing many better than explaining jazz to someone who's
2: <laughs> <laughs> Jen popped on the fedora and said, "Go I got a little treat for us to watch this afternoon." Yeah. <laughs> are there any other movies about musicians that you think are films that people should track down and watch?
1: Yes. Whenever anyone asks me what I think one of the best like music documentaries are, obviously the Amy Winehouse mm. one, oh, and that's yes. a crier too. Absolutely, but something that really I always go back to, and I've made so many people watch. And I know that it sounds like this is going to be like one of those like irony things, mm. but the Katy Perry part of me documentary. Okay, it is incredible. Mm. It is an incredible because she divorces Russell Brand. <gasps>
2: Whoa.
1: And you just see a woman trying to hold on to her life and do all these songs about like teenage dreams and like
0: and she's heartbroken
1: and she's absolutely and playing these huge stadiums you know there's parts where she is just on the floor weeping and then she's oh, gotta be carried to the stage and perform the movie that made me want to play guitar was this is spinal (laughs) Tap."
2: oh my god one of the best films ever made yeah of course i think it's my it's the funniest comedy film ever made this side of austin powers
1: and and there's so many people in it and you just you realize after you're like oh my god there's fran drescher like she's in it and like um i'm such a fan of like christopher guest Mm. and all of those people but there's just something so great and again, really shows you the absurdity of being like a touring musician.
0: So today we started with Sister Act and then we moved to our main course, which is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and finished with a little recommendation of Miles Davis' Birth of the Cool. Jen Fricker also joined us as our very special dinner guest. Jen, we love you. We love your voice. We love your double bass stories. We love everything about you.
2: If you want to hear more from me, you can head on over to Total Reboot with Cameron James and Alexei Toliopoulos, where we talk about reboots, remakes and rip-offs in cinema.
0: And if you want to hear more from Alexi Toliopoulos and Susie Youssef, the people that you've been listening to all day, <laughs> then come back next week for our last episode of the season. And we are ending with a bang. It's George Clooney's Midnight Sky.
2: Ooh, very exciting.
0: This episode was written and hosted by Alexi Douglas-Toliopoulos and Susie douglas <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's produced by Mark Wilson and New Hasbold.
0: Edited by Jeffrey O'Connor.
2: Executive produced by Tony Broderick and Melanie Douglas-Marnie. <laughs>